the next level. <laughs> Do you know why we celebrate Halloween? Because that's when we go trick-or-treating and get candy. Well, yes, but a long, long time ago, it was a night of great power. When the days grew short and the spirits of the dead returned to their homes to warm themselves by the fireside. All across the land, huge bonfires were lit. Oh, there was a marvelous celebration. People danced and they played games and they dressed up in costumes, hoping to ward off the evil spirits, especially the boogeyman. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. following program may contain mature subject matter. Discretion is advised. Black cats and goblins and broomsticks and ghosts. Covens of witches with all of their hosts. You may think they scare me. You're probably right. Blood guts and goblins on Halloween night. Trick or treat. And welcome back to another episode of the Spooky Next Level Network podcast from Studio Zero. It's another fine, boiling cauldron of ranting and raving on this week's return to What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul, wishing you all a spooktacular and creepylicious Happy Halloween. A blessed Samhain... And a happy All Hallows' Eve, or whatever you want to call it. This week's episode, so, this week I'm doing things a little bit differently. This is a special one. Um, we'll count as one of the episodes. I've done this before, somewhat, going way back. I think it was like episode 22, when I talked about my top five Stephen King movies. I haven't done anything like that really since, and I thought, you know what? I want to change the format up for the special Halloween episode this year. So, it's going to be a Havoc ranking and ranking of the most seasonal of all franchises. Yes, I'm talking about American Pie. I know, there's crickets. Everyone's like, American Pie, really? Do we really care what happened at Bandcamp? No, I'm kidding with you guys tricks and treats but no today's episode is going to be all about our favorite halloween franchise yes halloween i'll be ranking them from worst to best 
I got the idea of doing this from YouTube videos and whatnot that I saw online. You know, there's a lot of different people that they like to take the full franchise and rank them in order of their favorites and whatnot. And I thought, you know what, I've never done that. Might as well do it myself. It'd be kind of fun. It's sort of a break from doing the the review of the week and whatnot. This is and that's the thing too, like this won't be like all out reviews on all twelve movies. No, it's just gonna basically be few pointers about what I like, don't like, whatever, why I rank them where I do. Um, to be fair, I, I have to say this from the very beginning. There is no movie in the Halloween franchise that I would honestly say I would never watch again. And that's including like my number 12 and number 11. Like, if they're on TV or whatever, I may watch them. It's just I may not actively seek them out let's put it that way but yeah so this week all 12 films i'm gonna go through them ranking them from 12 to 1 and yeah why don't we just start we'll just get right into this so worst to best halloween michael myers silver shamrock let's talk about it all starting with what would probably be in my opinion the worst of the halloween movies and yes, at number 12, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, which is interesting because on IMDb and other websites, it's actually ranked higher than Resurrection. <laughs> I don't know about that for me. This is the bottom feeder for me, okay? This is the one that I probably, even if it's on TV, I'm probably going to look for another horror movie on TV somewhere before coming back to it. And it's not because it's a Rob Zombie film, because I actually like a lot of his movies. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects are two major, amazing like movies. And I love a lot of his music. I love a lot of his albums and whatnot. And it's not because Sherry Moon was in this either, even though, yeah, okay, I get it. Not everybody likes her and stuff. But it's not even because she was in this movie. As a matter of fact, Scout Taylor Compton, Malcolm McDowell, Brad Dourif, Carolyn Williams, Richard Brake, Tyler Mayne, Dayton Callie... None of this is actually their fault. The problem with Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is the storyline. It's Dr. Loomis writing a book and basically becoming a sleazebag about it. Like, that's not Loomis. That's not the... I, I understand Rob's, Rob wanted to do some different things with it and whatnot, but changing the character of Loomis seemed wrong to me. And what's with the fucking white horse? I, I will never get... I know, symbolism and shit. I get it, you know, but fuck off with that. I don't want my Halloween movies to have all these weird symbolism shit and everything. I'm okay with the Curse of Thorn and whatnot, but a white horse? Come on, stop it. And not to mention, like, this movie, there's very little fun in it. Like, it's a very mean movie. People die brutally, and it's very, it's just a very harsh film. And like I said, well, with, with what Rob did with Loomis's character, I really wasn't overly thrilled with it. I do enjoy harsh and brutal films, don't get me wrong. Every now and then I like my high tensions and my martyrs and whatnot. But not when it comes to stupid slashers, which for Halloween 2, be a stupid slasher. Don't be this. And that's pretty much where I stand on number 12. Moving on to number 11. 11 is the one that actually is ranked lower than my number 12 according to websites. According to me, no, it's a little bit higher. Halloween Resurrection. I basically hate this movie. I'm not going to lie, okay? But there are a few saving graces in the film which would keep me somewhat 
engulfed in it, somewhat watching it. Like I say, if it's on an afternoon, you know, streaming service like Pluto TV or something, or if, you know, Shudder's got it on their Shudder TV, and I'm seriously not in the mood for anything else but just to watch something mindless, okay, I leave it on. <laughs> but other than that, again, another one that I'm not actively going to seek out. I will say, though, that Buster Rhymes, uh, despite the outrageous kung fu fight with the shape, <laughs> um, I have to admit, I find Buster to be amusing in this film. Uh, trick or treat, motherfucker. I don't know. And I mean, okay, Halloween Resurrection. I, I see what they were trying to do. They brought back uh, Rick Rosenthal to direct. It's, it was his return to the franchise since doing the actual Halloween 2. Um, but I'm, even that, I'm not so sure that was a good thing. Can I blame him just for this? I don't know. Lori being killed off right away was a scream kind of thing to do, but it didn't work here because the problem is with this movie, the rest of the cast is is very lifeless. And I don't know if it's due to direction or if it's just they were in it for a paycheck or whatever. I don't know. Um, but they should have kept Lori in the film longer. I can't stand Tyra Banks in this. That's not a, a knock at her specifically because I do actually like her in other films. I just didn't like her in this one. Katie Sackhoff, Sean Patrick Thomas, Thomas Ian Nicholas, Luke Kirby, Ryan Merriman. Sure, they were the big names in the 90s going into the early 2000s, but they really don't stand out here. Um, the only reason... Kind of a joke. The only reason why I remember that even Ryan Merriman's even in this damn thing is because at the time, my sister kind of had a crush on him. So was, <laughs> I heard about him a lot, even though I didn't really care for him. Um, again, I don't blame anyone if they did this just for a paycheck, because to be fair, the studio should not even have attempted this one. But I get it. Halloween H2O did get this you know, this kind of cult following. The, people really enjoyed it and whatnot, and they thought, well, let's keep going with it. But you killed Laurie off right away, and that was really stupid on their part. Going to number 10 now. Number 10, mm, Rob Zombie's Halloween. I know, it seems like I got Rob Zombie way at the bottom of the list here. and But I actually don't hate this film. I will say that. I just don't care much for the first act of the film. And I think that's really what detracts me from it because it's one of those films that if it was on TV and I jumped into the movie past the first act, I'm probably going to watch the rest of it with no problem. I actually don't... I, I didn't really hate this thing. I don't... I, I well, Okay. There's the scene in, you know, Smith's Grove. I think it was Smith's Grove or whatever. The the hospital that Michael's in and those two, what the two janitors or whatever are about to rape that girl. Okay. That I didn't really need in there. But aside from that, there was a lot in the second and third act that I did actually somewhat enjoy of this movie. And I saw this one at the theaters when it came out. Um, but the, with the first act, it's the whole thing of, I prefer not to know Michael's backstory, you know, before he went all psycho killer. Um, or, if you really want to look at it, I always kind of preferred the whole suburban, quiet, picture-perfect Michael from the 1978 original, um, you know, as a child, where we we kind of, we, we really don't see any surrounding environment that would cause him to snap like that. Instead, in this one, it's, hey, my mom is a stripper, my uncle's a pervert, and my family is just trash. I really wish Rob hadn't have done that, because... I know he he's good at doing that schlocky white trash kind of thing, but don't do it for a Halloween movie, especially if you're going to go into Michael's backstory. Why not show something where he 
literally had that portrait perfect, you know, lifestyle. And then all of a sudden it just snap. All of a sudden he changed. Like, I don't know. I will say though, there's the scene in the movie where we see Michael go all like savagely crazy on the bully from school and whatnot. And as much as like, it's unexpected, uh, I didn't hate it. It does show a ferociousness to Michael that we hadn't seen probably up to that point. So that was kind of cool. Like it, it, it sort of highlighted the monster within. I did really like that. But then by the time he kills his family and kills Judith and whatnot, we lost the power of that because we saw just how savage he really could be in the beginning. So I don't know. Bonus points though for Danny Trejo. I will say that. Now going, uh, moving on to number nine here. Number nine is probably the last of the films that I would say I like, don't like kind of thing or don't like, but I like kind of thing. Um, because there's a lot with this film that cringes me more than anything else. Uh, number nine is Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers. And I also get that this is another one of those hated by the majority type of films. A lot of people hate this movie. I don't hate it. That's why I said like, it's kind of like a whole, I don't like it, but I like it kind of thing. Um, I just feel that the problem with Halloween five is it doesn't fit with the awesomeness. That was part four, part four, brought back Michael Myers and brought back this huge gravitas to the, to the franchise. And then part five came along and it was like, okay, we've got now Jamie is a mute. I understand. I get the trauma that she experienced in part four, sent her off the deep end, but to make her a mute until she wasn't a mute anymore, obviously. But I, I don't know, like it, it kind of took away, especially for the fact that Daniel Harris was so strong in part four. She was, she really showed she could act her ass off. Okay, now you made her a silent actress in this, but which again, she's acting her ass off and doing the best she can with what she's got, but I just didn't understand it. This is probably also one of the films where I really do despise the mask. Um, Resurrection's another one of those films, but I didn't want to completely just dump on Resurrection, so I left that out. Um, but yeah, the, the mask in this one, it really does sort of irk me. Um, a quick note to point out, though, the director of this film, uh, Dominique Othenin-Gerard, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. Anyways, he's a Swiss director or whatever. What he's doing directing a Halloween movie, I have no fucking clue. But anyways, he also directed the not-so-good Omen 4 TV movie. So, yeah, not a good track record when it comes to sequel films. Though, how, interest how interesting is this? It, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, he's actually an associate director on that, on both of them. So, Redemption, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Halloween 5 was not one of his strong points, neither was Omen 4, for that matter. I do like the score for this film, though. I will say that. As a matter of fact, while I was you know organizing this all tonight before I'd start recording, I did actually have the vinyl soundtrack playing uh, for both parts 4 and 5, because I just felt they really set the mood for... for while I was doing this. But yeah, I like the score for this film. Uh, as for the character of Tina, well, let me put it to you this way. Best to move on now. So we're going to move on to now pretty much 8 through 1. These are the movies that I actively watch frequently, if not at least from time to time. Starting with Halloween 2018. 
the first of the David Gordon Green films and whatnot. I've reviewed this one on the show before, uh, episode 32, I believe it was. So I won't harp on it too long because I have talked in length about it before. As you guys know, it did take me a bit to get used to this movie. Um, the whole Michael just being brutally pissed off and just killing at will, not playing the whole cat and mouse game that he played with Laurie in the first film and whatnot, it really took me... It took me a bit to get used to because we were told this was a direct sequel to the 1978 film, and then Michael just seemed like he was two different beasts from that first film to this. So it took me a bit, but... As time has gone on, I have appreciated what they're trying to do, and they've also tried to, especially with both this and Halloween Kills, we definitely see that it's almost like the evil was infesting inside of Michael to the point where it's now, it's just, it's a volcano has erupted. So I kind of get that. I still can't see how two measly podcasters are allowed into a high-level security mental ward to talk to a guy who hasn't spoken in 40 years. Uh, I guess I should say I get it, I guess. I don't know. It's a stupid slasher. And it's best not to think too hard on it. Keep that note in mind when I talk about Halloween Kills. But the thing is, is the problem with Halloween 2018 also is, is I wish the characters were a little bit more likable. Um, Allison was hard to deal with in the first movie. I mean, she wasn't horrible. I I, not, I didn't hate her, but it was more or less the supporting cast around her, um, you know, especially her boyfriend, Cameron. And there was, you know, Mr. Oh, I did a chub looking at you. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> they were hard to deal with. So it was kind of like, okay, did you make them unlikable so when Michael kills them, we're happy? I don't know. Although I will say, Vicky and Julian, highlights of the film for sure. The the whole element of just the two of them. Mwah, chef's kiss. It's fucking, it's awesome. So that definitely works for Halloween 2018. Moving on to number seven. Number seven in this list is Halloween H2O. Some people probably put this a lot higher. I don't. This is what I call the Dawson's Creek of hollow of Halloween films. Um, it's got that gorgeous WBCW like cast with a WBCW like feel. Uh, definitely riding on the heels of the scream phenomenon that was going on in the mid to late nineties. But we brought back Jamie Lee Curtis, yay! And not to mention we didn't kill her off in the first ten minutes, so yay again. I do like this one, though. I will say that. I do like it. I've actually watched it several times, and I've owned it on all three formats, being VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray, because I do enjoy this one. I really do. Michael's Mask? Mm, well, not that good. But then here's the thing, and I'm not, I don't want to harp too much on the whole mask thing, so I'm going to say this. If, I'm, if we're being completely honest about the Michael Myers masks, or the shape mask, whatever you want to call them, with the exception of Halloween 2 and maybe Halloween 4... I really don't care for any of the masks from the sequels. Um, I'm not overly picky about it. I mean, it's not something that takes me out of the film like, oh my god, that mask is fucking horrible. I'll never watch this movie again. No, it's not like that. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But it wasn't until Halloween 2018 that we did get a decent recreation of the original shape mask. So the thing is, is like I said, like Halloween H2O, the mask was really hard to sort of deal with, but I got over it, whatever. The movie does get points, though, for having both Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Leigh in the same film. Uh, Mother-daughter, awesome. And a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Robin. Mm, sorry, I mean Jimmy. 
Still kind of irked about the whole he was Batman's Robin in The Dark Knight Rises, but whatever. I guess it was clever. I guess it was clever. I don't know. Anyways, uh, but yeah, it's kind of cool that he's he's only a teenager in this. It's kind of cool. Uh, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, she plays Sarah in this movie. She would later, uh, two years later, actually, after uh, doing this film, she showed up in another franchise sequel that actually, in my opinion, is very underrated. The Crow Salvation. Yeah, I know. Shooting me now. But um, no, I actually really love The Crow Salvation. And I like that she was in both a Halloween film and a Crow film. And I like both of them. So I thought that was kind of cool. Now let's round off our final six. Halloween. 666, The Curse of Michael Myers. I know it's also called Halloween 6. Some people call it Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Some people call it The Curse of Michael Myers. I like the idea of calling it Halloween 666, The Curse of Michael Myers. So that's what I do. What do you need to know? You need to know Paul Rudd. Okay, next, on to number five. I'm kidding. No, but Paul Rudd is awesome. And I don't know. Oddly, I do like this movie too, which is kind of weird because (laughs) they really go weird with the family thing i mean first off you it made sense to have michael go after laurie if we were gonna you know make laurie his sister okay cool then laurie has a daughter okay i understand we're going after her and we're gonna kill jamie now all right whatever i mean it really heightened the stakes that michael was now going after kids as well so hey what the fuck but now he's going after a baby um Who's his niece's baby? So, I mean, like, he's really going down the bloodline. It's like, did you have any other relatives any other way? I know we probably didn't, but I don't know. In H2O, we find out he apparently Jamie had a son. So, uh, yeah, it <laughs> the Halloween series where they have multiple timelines that can all be broken up into different ways. Yes, it's so much fun. Um but as for Halloween 666, yes, I get it. And some people, you know, they have their um, apprehensions about it because of the curse of Thorn, the whole weird cult thing. And, you know, I get it. Some people are upset about that. But, I mean, they were only continuing what Part 5 did. But the thing is, is that I think I there's a part of me that always loves this because it is the final film. We would have the wonderful Donald Pleasance in. Donald Pleasance was pretty much the constant more so than even Michael that I think always kept me coming back to these films. Because, I don't know, he was hokey, he was kind of crazy and funny. I mean, in part four, he's got that amazing scene with the um, <laughs> the road preacher there. and Oh yeah, that whole scene's awesome. But, I don't know, Don, this was like sort of like Donald Pleasance's send-off. And, okay... It's not the greatest film, but it was the last time we would ever get to see him in. So I've always kind of appreciated that fil- the film for that. I've appreciated that they tried to do something fresh and new. They knew that the franchise was starting to go down, especially after part five. It was like, okay, we, you know, we can see that the slasher genre is that was about the time it was starting to take its decline, and people wanted something new and whatnot. So they tried to bring something into it by having this cult of Thorn or curse of Thorn thing, whatever. And I appreciate it for that. I'm one of those people that I feel that this one is an improvement over the fifth installment. So because the fifth dipped so low, this one kind of brought it back up. So I appreciate it for that as well. If you're comparing it to the juggernaut that is the first Halloween film, it fails miserably. And I think that that's probably one of the things that 
bands do, um, I'd say unfairly, is that everybody always compares every Halloween movie to the first one. No movie is ever going to top that first movie, no matter what. Um, I personally prefer the producer's cut of Halloween 6 over the theatrical cut, like the theatrical version, but I'll watch either. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I do like the producer's cut a bit better than the theatrical version. I think because it, it has more of a, co- a cohesive flow. Moving on now to number five. Number five, oddly enough, is mo- it moved up the list pretty fast. Halloween Kills, yes. The most recent of the films, but definitely not a bad one. It's uh Definitely a good one. All right, yes, I get it. The hospital scenes where the angry mob is chasing the Danny, De- Danny DeVito-sized penguin lookalike, and they think they're chasing the shape, you know, and evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Yeah, 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 okay, I get it. It's wonky. But this is, first and foremost, still a slasher film. Try to appreciate it for what it is. This is something that, I and I've seen this happening throughout the whole genre. Every time a, a new slasher film comes out, or an homage to the, the 80s slasher films, we tear these movies apart like we're like, I don't know, that we think we just watch like Close Encounters of the Third Kind or something. Which even that movie has its problems. I mean, let's be honest, okay? If you really want to look at it, let's keep in mind that at least the Halloween... Halloween... <laughs> you need wine to watch this movie. No, um, the Halloween franchise is not the Friday the 13th franchise. I mean, we're allowed to have actual sequels, you know, instead of, you know, it being the whole, hey, the parents are arguing like children over who has the rights. Like, because honestly, Friday the 13th, get your shit together. Somebody win this fucking legal battle and let's move on. I don't fucking care who wins at this point anymore. Um... <laughs> Sticking with Halloween Kills, though, I personally really like Andy Matichak's character of Allison a lot more in this film. Um, yes, I get it, Laurie is less relevant in this one, but I'm okay with it, because it did sort of feel like it was a little bit of an homage to the original Halloween 2, where Laurie was basically in a hospital, and for the most part, didn't do a whole lot. Um, that, that, that second film was a lot of Michael and how he interacted with everyone else in the hospital while trying to find Lori. Um, so she was very re- uh, she was irrelevant in that movie, and she's irrelevant in this one. Okay, I'm all right with it. That's fine. Uh, the flashback scenes, though, whew, awesome. Those are really the eye grabbers here. Every flashback scene in this movie was fucking amazing. I absolutely enjoyed the hell out of those. And the fact that Loomis... The actor playing Loomis, that's actual just makeup. There's no CGI in that. Fucking kudos. Give this movie an award for that alone. Um, And I'm not going to lie. I've said this before on here. I'll say it again. I love seeing a very pissed off Michael Myers. I like seeing a killer that actually is fucking angry and is fucking killing. And he's doing it mercilessly. Um... I gather he's got some supernatural kind of rabbit's foot up his ass, but whatever. Uh, slaughter those firefighters, Myers, because fuck, that scene alone was amazing. Every kill in this was so much 
fun to watch because he's mad. He's fucking pissed. He's a killer. I I liked it for once. It wasn't just the whole. We've seen this so many times in slasher films where the sla- the the killer just walks slowly, but somehow miraculously catches up to the person who's sprinting a hundred miles an hour. I know it's not possible to sprint that fast, but you get my point. The thing is, is that this this movie showed us that you know what Michael Myers is a force to be reckoned with. He is something to be scared of. And I love it for that. So that's that number five, Halloween kills from this point on. I will say this, the last four movies are the top of the crop. They could pretty much be interchangeable. Really? This is how I set them in terms of my top four, but I will say this right now that all four of these films for me in my heart are a 10. They're already a 10 out of 10. It, it, there's no need to rate and review them and shit. It's just a matter of talking about where they stand and why I put them there. At number four is Halloween 2. And the things that I love about it, first off, I love the fact that it picks up right from where part one left off. Um, yes, we have <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis wearing a wig. Okay, whatever. I don't care. I personally love this entry, though. Uh, John Carpenter himself might not be very happy with Laurie being Michael's sister, but it works for me. I actually kind of like that. It did raise the stakes a little bit. I really wish that these supposed Halloween know-it-alls, though, in the movie, you know, like Loomis and whatnot, knew how to pronounce Samhain. It's not Sam Hain. It's Samhain. Or as that internet meme that's going around now says, you know, in America, they call it pumpkin spice. (laughs) But, um, okay, whatever. I get it. Like, you know, the thing is, is that Halloween 2 is an American film and I get it. America, man. We say it as we see it, except when we don't. Um, but yeah, I snide comments aside, this is a solid follow up to this movie. Uh, Dick Warlock is great as a shape. And Loomis with his, I shot him six times. I shot him six times. I love that he just keeps saying that over and over. It's like, dude, we get it. Um, How many more people are you going to tell? You shot him six times. Although I believe it was Cinema Sins that pointed out, shot him seven. Um, (laughs) But anyways, uh, I got to say one thing about Halloween 2, though. Jimmy, who's played by Lance Guest, who I love in The Last Starfighter, by the way, directed by Nick Castle. But anyways, um... Jimmy in this movie, kind of creepy. I uh, always seems to be creeping around Lori, except when she probably could use his presence being there. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, things that I absolutely love, though, I do love the hot tub kill. Oh, my God. That is such a great kill in this movie. Uh, I love Lori's aim with the gun, too. Uh, right in the eyes. No problem. She's a true American hero with that pistol. But why always the eyes? That is the thing I noticed. The coat hanger in the first movie, bullets in round two. Um whatever it is what it is still even with some of its flaws let's give an orderly a walkie-talkie that has horrible reception and she doesn't know what she's doing with it but anyways the movie is fun so it belongs in the top four obviously um side note this past october 30th devil's night it celebrated its 40th anniversary as well so that's pretty awesome to mention we are now down to the top three Number three, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Best opening titles sequence ever of any of the Halloween movies. It's perfect. It has the most Halloween feel of any of the Halloween movies for its opening sequence. 
perfect. This is also Danielle Harris's debut, and she's awesome in this. She acts her ass off, and she's great. Ellie Cornell is great in this. I'm not so sure the head coach of the varsity football team of Lee High School, though, will like it that Mike Mile, Mike uh, Michael Myers kills one of their star football players when he kills Don. Oh, sorry, I mean Brady, but whatever. Uh, I might play ball, but I will never not fight the shape. Uh, okay, I'll stop mixing Dazed and Confused with Halloween. But yeah, I like the, I, you know, um, in fact, I can't remember the kid's name, too, that plays him. How horrible am I for that? Like I said, this isn't reviews, so I didn't do a whole lot of checking up things and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I had to throw the Dazed and Confused reference in there. But anyways, while most of the world, you know, they do love this one because Michael returned and, you know, it, now that hated part three is now washed out of their mouths and whatnot. I personally do love this one because I feel that it, this movie actually feels like it takes place at Halloween. And also, it does the mob scene thing a bit better than Halloween Kills did. You know, the whole evil dies tonight and Halloween Kills. Well, in this, one, they don't go around going, you know, evil dies tonight kind of thing. But it made sense to have a group of drunks from a bar in a small town, you know, get together and raid a hospital. You know, it, well, they didn't raid a hospital. What was it? It was a school. They headed to the school and, you know, and then followed Michael, like, you know, and chased him down and whatnot. In Halloween Kills, the whole idea of going into the hospital and then putting so many people in danger while they're chasing, you know, the discount Batman Returns Penguin, it just, it didn't work for me. But in this one, it does. I do like the mob scene in this. It feels more natural. Um, I will also say that Kathleen Kinmont, she plays the boy-stealing sheriff's daughter really well, actually, in this, as does, you know, Michael Pataki from Rocky IV and Zoltan. Also known as Dracula's dog, um, he's uh, he's pretty solid in this too. But again, it's Donald Pleasance, you know, sells this fucking movie, and then you have Daniel Harris, who is a complete show stealer. Uh, I will say George Wilbur does a great job as the shape as well. And let's be honest, Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees are two of the kind of they're two characters that you can kind of put anyone in those those suits, those costumes, and it can work as long as they don't go way too over the top kind of thing. But Wilbur does himself a good job in this movie. And it's just as much as I don't hate Halloween three. And I know a lot of the world does. So that's why they love Halloween four so much for me. I just feel it's, it's probably one of the few Halloween movies that really does grasp the whole autumn fall Halloween feel to the movie and I love it for it plus not to mention great score on to number two we're down to two movies left kids two movies and number two is one I got picked on a lot for for liking and I still to this day have to deal with shit for liking this movie my second favorite Halloween movie is Halloween 3 season of the witch and I know I can hear people's brains snapping right now because it's an unpopular opinion However, it has become a bit more popular over the past few years. You know, I say that Halloween 4 probably grasps the whole Halloween feel the most. But Season of the Witch does it just a little bit better. Because here's my thing. Okay, here's my whole thing with the Michael Myers films. Okay, and I'm not knocking them. I love them. I wouldn't be talking about this right now. I wouldn't be going to this extent of trying to figure out where I place them in my top 12 and shit like that if I didn't like these movies. I do like the movies. But the thing is, is Friday the 13th makes sense. Jason was born 
on the 13th. Okay, so it's Friday the 13th, and Mrs. Voorhees even says, today is my son's birthday. So when he came back in, you know, <laughs> movies 2 through 5,000, it made sense to call, you know, to have that Jason was the killer on Friday the 13th. Nightmare on Elm Street really makes a lot of sense, because Freddy's killing people in their dreams, so calling it Nightmare, and it was the Elm Street parents who killed Freddy, so he's haunting the Elm Street kids. It makes a lot of sense. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Having Leatherface as the killer, you know, wielding a chainsaw. He's a chainsaw-killing kind of person. And, of course, they became cannibal films as well and whatnot. So, yes, it made sense. Child's Play. Fuck, do you need more of an explanation on that one it's a fucking killer doll it makes sense these franchises make sense with their titles versus their protagonists halloween however could have been anyone at any time i mean black christmas is the same thing i love black christmas as well but again it's another one of those movies where it really honestly you can have these killers killing at any time of the year it really didn't have to have a specific time or Halloween didn't necessarily mean it had to be a Michael Myers movie. Michael Myers or The Shape was not associated with Halloween, aside from the fact that when he killed at six years old, he did it on Halloween night, but he could have easily done it November 1st. <laughs> like, it really didn't matter. That said, Halloween was never supposed to be about Michael. And I know, everybody knows the stories now. I've even talked about it on this podcast, so I'm not going to hammer this one home with this. But I, too, at one point in my life, did not always know the stories behind the anthology plans that Carpenter and his crew had in mind for the Halloween movies. When I was younger, I just considered this as being like sort of like another universe where Michael was now, you know, the 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 movie on TV. And this was the really real world, you know, sort of, but with witchcraft and commercials that were super catchy. <laughs> and but the thing is is when I was younger it was also one of those movies where you know the term guilty pleasure well the thing is is I had to look at it as a guilty pleasure because if I told anybody I like this movie I got picked on a lot by it um not to the point where like you know they you know trip me on top of my pumpkin and I smash my pumpkin you know like Tommy Doyle or anything like that but I got heckled a lot for liking this movie even when I tried buying it on VHS in my teens and in my 20s, it was difficult as fuck because nobody usually carried it due to the movie being hated so much. I remember I used to buy a lot of VHS tapes at Jumbo Video. It was a little um, kind of like the Canadian version of Blockbuster. Let's call it that, okay? And I bought a lot of movies there. I used to buy a lot of hockey movies, the Don Cherry's hockey movies. I bought those there. I bought a lot of different um action movies and horror movies especially i got a lot of horror movies at jumbo video really cheap but they were you know brand new i got halloween I, which ones did i buy there I, I know i bought halloween 2 there i bought halloween 4 and 5 there i think i even bought curse of michael myers there as well and i remember asking them are you ever gonna get halloween 3 and the guy almost like laughed at me behind the counter because he's like why would you want that i remember asking a top gun video which was another video rental place I used to go to. And I asked them, can you get Halloween 3? And the guy was like, yeah, right. Like, why would you even want that? And then when I finally would start seeing it on VHS, it was like these like cheap like VHS tapes that were recorded on like the slowest speed, so the quality was shit. And I was like, oh. And they mocked up the fucking cover on it. And 
it had like this really like cheesy like you know almost like the two dollar bin videos that you would see and whatnot i just remember i i hated the fact that the only way i could own halloween 3 when i was younger was i had to rent a copy and basically dub it from tape to tape on the fastest speed so it had the clearest quality and that's how i owned it when i was younger but again one of those movies where i had to keep quiet about it couldn't let a lot of people know that i liked it in my eyes though it was a fucking classic i remember watching the movie on shocktober on channel 50 and always thinking you know how much it would hurt to get crunched between two cars like in the opening minutes of the film when you know that silver shamrock enforcer guy gets crunched into a sandwich and i used to whenever i'd watch that scene i would be like fuck that would hurt man fuck i don't know if it would actually well it probably would kill me i'm a small guy but <laughs> i mean i don't know i remember uh, every time i would see that scene it would just stick with me um and I love the score. And, of course, there's the Halloween jingle that John Carpenter put together that's catchy as fuck. I mean, yes, the masks are perfect. I love the masks in this. The pumpkin mask has always been my favorite of the three, but I love all three. The little skull mask that Tom Atkins has to wear and shit like that. I remu- I, I've reviewed this movie in the past, episode 60, so I'm, I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but to reiterate the truth of this as it is with the top four here, this movie has a 10. It's awesome. It's amazing. I wish people would stop acting like it shouldn't exist. It should exist. I'm going to say this. I see this a lot on the internet where people will say, well, if they took off the name of Halloween, it would be an all right movie. Why don't you take the name of Halloween off all the Michael Myers movies? Because technically, like I said, that could have happened any night of any day of any year of any month, whenever. Um, it's just the fact that when he was six years old, he did it on Halloween night instead of waiting till November 1st to kill his sister. Number one, you know what number one is, obviously, because it's the last one left for me to talk about. Halloween 1978, John Carpenter's Halloween, the original, the best. What to say that hasn't been said, though? That's the trick, because so many people have talked about this movie. I even talked about it, same episode I talked about, uh, Halloween 2018. The thing is, is that, all right, so yes, I kind of said, you know, this movie could have taken place on any night with any killer and that whole spiel. But the thing is, is that with this movie, with all its bloopers, all its continuity issues, the movie is still a goddamn gem. It is so entertaining. It is so much fun. And when I say continuity issues, come on. One of the most glaring, most obvious ones is when Lori is banging on the door to get back in the house. And she opens the door one way, walks through the door, and now they're filming at another house where the door closes the opposite way. Um, <laughs> it's like little things like that. Uh, the bloopers, you know. We see Michael hiding behind the shrubs and then, you know, Annie and Lori are like, or Annie's like, oh, well, he's got nerve and she goes running up and then they show that close up of Annie's face and you see a waft of cigarette smoke go past the screen. Like, I mean, yes, there's so many things we could pick on this movie about Um, when Michael smashes the, you know, the side door. Uh, at the beginning of the movie when he's escaping from Smith's Grove and whatnot. And you can clearly see he's got a wrench on his hand that's smacking the window. I mean, yeah, it's got bloopers. It's got continuity issues. It's still a fucking gem. The music score is, what, iconic, perfect, amazing, timeless, and yet so simple. It's just a simple... 
few notes, few keys just played in repetition and it fucking works. The mask. The mask in this one is probably the most scariest of them all. In terms of, okay, I should, you know, explain myself on this. It's the whole pale, white, blank face. This, it, it makes it the scariest. I Because I could sit here and say, you know, Halloween 5 or Resurrection or one of them. They had some scary looking masks because they looked hideous. But this is the one that has that mask. that It got etched in our minds and we never forgot it. Uh, this is the grandfather of them all. This is the one that, while not being the first, is what started the slasher craze. It's not the first. The first slasher, in my opinion anyway, started with Psycho. But, and Psycho in its own right is also a psychological thriller. But, this is the one that started that craze. It's it set it off. And, again, the slasher genre, the this, the genre that people need to remember that for most most of it, it is glorious cheese, it's insane ridiculousness, and it's what furthers the stories. We have to, we count on these characters to do stupid things because stupid things is what gets them killed. <laughs> you can't have a slasher without the stupidity of humanity. So I think people need to remember that when criticizing these movies, and we've seen a lot of it with Halloween Kills recently. You know, about people being stupid and this and that. And it's like, you need to understand that these movies don't happen if we don't have stupid humans, okay? Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie is perfect as the innocent final girl that I don't think they could have honestly cast any better than Jamie Lee for this role. And this is the one that made us fall in love with Donald Pleasance as Sam Loomis. He's on fucking point. He has some really great dialogue in this one as well. The passion of the creators, and when I talk to the creators, I'm talking John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, Dean Cundy, Tommy Lee Wallace, the whole filming crew, the art design crew. Did you know that Robert Englund was part of that design crew? He was uncredited, but he was actually a part of it for this movie. Um, anyways, you can just feel how much love went into this movie and how much fun. Uh, I will recommend um, there is uh, the series on Netflix, the movies that made us. Definitely watch the Halloween one. It's really interesting to see how all these people, they were all friends. They were all uh, acquaintances. They came together. They brought friends along with them and stuff like that and came together and, you know, formed this crew that put together one of the most iconic and historic movies of our time. You know what I mean? Um, and in terms of the acting as well, like, okay. And I say this because there's no bad acting to be found. Nobody seems like they're way over the top. I mean, yeah, there's times when Loomis might seem a little over the top. But actually, he's pretty subdued in this one. Um, but, I mean, it's there's some of the scenes are a little over the top. I mean, uh, Annie spilling butter on herself and then, you know, it causes her to completely strip down to her undies in the kitchen. Um, all right. That's interesting. But I mean, literally a little bit of butter on her shirt and she's all the clothes are coming off. It's like, man, and her clothes come off faster than a fucking sex scene. It's like, what the hell just happened? You know, and, and not to mention you're doing it in front of a door that doesn't have like it's wide open windows. Like, I don't Anyways, whatever. I've seen this movie so many times in so many different ways, whether it be network television, afternoon horror matinees on UHF channels. Cable TV, VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, the theatrical cut, the extended cut with the extra TV footage. Um, 
that came out on VHS. And I think there was also a DVD release of that as well. I can honestly say, though, that I've this is one of those movies where, without a doubt, I've seen easily over 100 times. And, yeah, I couldn't tell you how many times. I lost count. But it's one of those that I know for a fact I've watched more than 100 times. It, this is absolutely one of the most truly iconic horror films of our time. It will remain legendary. It's the reason Michael Myers is a household name. Um, I wish people would embrace Season of the Witch a little bit more, but they're not going to, so that will forever be my little treasure. And on that note, thank you for listening to this Halloween edition of what lurks behind podcast zero thank you for coming back i do have one quick little thing i want to do before i sign off for the fucking show okay i need to do this because i have a buddy of mine who i I, basically what i'm going to do i'm going to quickly recommend to all of you that you look up green ridge horror uh they are classic movie reviews and original content about all the things that go bump in the night now here's the thing they have videos on youtube uh, they have a Facebook account, facebook.com slash greenridgehorror. Recently, uh, so uh, my buddy Tristan, he's uh, basically, I, I guess you would say he's like the main person of Green Ridge Horror. He's done the Uncle Newton reviews. I've talked about those. I've posted them on the Facebook page and whatnot. Anyways, they recently uploaded uh, a fan film that Tristan and his brother put together where it's his brother dying at the hands of Ghostface from the screen movies and it is 10 minutes plus a few minutes of credits basically it's a beautiful little love letter chalk filled with horror nods name drops homages and just a whole lot of fun all in one little video and it's so great and i wanted to share i wanted to, to recommend it on the podcast for this halloween edition of you know what lurks behind podcast zero because I feel you guys would enjoy it. A lot of the people that listen to this show are the same, you know, like-minded people that would enjoy what Tristan does on, you know, for Green Ridge Horror and his brother and, you know, their group of friends and whatnot. So you got to go check it out. If anything, look up Tori Dies. Uh, what's it called? Tori Dies and Scream is, I believe, the title of the video. You gotta watch it. It's just, it's a lot of fucking fun. So go check it out today, guys. And I'm not gonna shut up. I'm gonna let you go have a happy Halloween. And just, yeah, we'll, we'll close out the show with a song, actually, this week. It's an it's an oldie song, I believe, from, like, the 50s. <laughs> I kind of like the song, so I'm throwing it at the end. But just quickly, before we get to that, the show obviously can be found on all major, well, most major podcast streaming apps like Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Audible, blah, 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 blah. Uh, <laughs> the social media for What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero on Facebook at facebook.com slash What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, Instagram at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, and Twitter at WLB Podcast Zero. Close out now with the track by Tarantula Ghoul and her Gravediggers. Yes, that's the name of the artist that put together this song called Graveyard Rock. It's a 70s, not 70s, I think. No, it's 50s. I'm almost positive this is from the 1950s. Though, again, this wasn't a review. This wasn't an episode for research and whatnot, so I didn't research it. But 
believe it's from the 50s. It's a song called Graveyard Rock anyways, and I felt it'll really close off the show on a great Halloween feel. But first, I am going to let Al do what he does best. You need to shut the fuck up. Hey, lick my plate, you dog dick. Sometimes that is better. Tired of living, want to die? Well, here's a real good reason why. It all begins about 12 o'clock When the graves all open and we start to rock Graveyard rock Graveyard rock It's a graveyard Graveyard rock Everybody digs a graveyard rock Every night is just like Halloween As you rock and roll this graveyard scene Graveyard rock Graveyard rock It's a graveyard Graveyard rock Everybody digs a graveyard rock The party's over, boy. So close those coffin lids. 